0: Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. The last couple chapters of the book of Revelation use a lot of imagery, which is consistent with the previous chapters. And just as usual, there is a deeper meaning in these words that invite us to proclaim triumph in our lives here and now. We do so through the lens of words we close with, that mirror words the book opened with. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. These words remind us that Jesus has been, is, and always will be. Thanks be to God. In our message of the week, we end our sermon series titled The End of the Bible as We Know It with a message from Pastor Jen Tyler, where she shares from Revelation chapters 21 and 22, a message about new beginnings and a blessed future. Here is the First Church message of the week. Friends, won't you pray with me? God, as we listen for your word giving thanks this day, we ask that you would open our ears anew, that we can hear you more clearly in our midst. Open our eyes that we might see you more clearly and our hearts that we might love you more deeply as you rid us from any and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So on this joy-filled weekend that we officially kick off summer that may or may not have decided to stay, we have finally um, come to the week in which we are going to wrap up our sermon series today. We have been talking throughout the month of May of the book of the Revelation of John with our sermon series, The End of the Bible as We Know It. And while it might seem like the joy of summer coming and the joy of baptism might not mesh well with things that we know about the book of Revelation, I can't help but to notice how perfect that actually feels in some perhaps unexpected ways especially since our readings that I'm going to offer for us here in a moment talk about new beginnings and name that God is with us now and in the future, just as God has always been with us in the past. And in the final chapter of the book of Revelation, chapter 22, we are assured and promised the goodness of God Is ever present. And in the words used to make this promise and commitment to us, well, they echo this very same words that we heard in Revelation chapter one, as we talk about the Alpha and the Omega. It says in verses 12 and 13 of this, the last chapter of the book, it says, See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, is the beginning and the end, and it assures us that God, who was, who is, and who always will be, here in these words it tells us, will also return to us soon, And these words are important not just because of the hope that they bring forth and represent, but also because of the ways that they wrap up this vision as revealed to us by John. In this book, these words remind us of where we started at the very beginning in the book of John, You see, the whole of the book of John, we are reminded, is a vision that this man had. And from the very beginning, it centered on what should be our foundation of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Although I have to say that even as we focus on that, sometimes I get caught off guard a little by the language that we find in Revelation. We know that some of it can be a little intimidating. For me, in these verses we just heard, I think, what is this reward that it tells us that it's talking about repaying everyone with? And to properly understand some of that and some of what they're trying to talk about, I think we have to back up a little bit and read some of the words from the chapter before in Revelation 21, which paints for us a picture of new things coming into being. And so as I read this text for us today, I want to invite you to close your eyes as you listen. Uh, The words are going to be on the screen in front of us for those who prefer to read that way, but maybe you just want to let these words wash over you a little as we try to paint a picture of what John is describing in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 6, when he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. They will be his people's, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. He also said, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Here ends this reading today. Friends, I hope that you, like me, find some of this language to be so descriptive that you can't help but to want to picture some of it literally and vividly. For me, I find it life-giving to visualize what John is describing here as we can see the majesty and the beauty of this new heaven and new earth that he describes. And yet even as we do so, I think it's important to remember that as he describes these things as they one day will be, these are words describing his vision. It's a vision the very best his own mind or imagination can help him to come up with. And yet even then, we can still know that all of this heaven and earth he's talking about will probably be greater than any picture he could paint, uh, in part because not everything in this life is meant to be understood. But we can know, of course, that as we stand firm on the promises of Jesus and on the assurance that Jesus has gone before us, we can know that whatever this new heaven and earth John is describing will look like, we can be assured that it's gonna be better than the very best we can imagine and that Jesus is gonna be there waiting for us to welcome us home. And I know that because when I think of heaven or earth or all the glory that is yet to come, I know that if I asked each and every person here today, what do you think of when you picture heaven? I imagine no two of us are gonna have the exact same description, right? Because we don't know, we can't fully know in this life what is yet to come. But what we can know is that even as each of us might picture something slightly different when we picture a perfect world or a perfect life or a perfect environment or a perfect heaven, one thing I am confident in is that when you imagine perfection, the reality of that, of heaven, as God brings it forth, is going to be way better than you think. We all see things differently in this life. And sometimes that can be a gift. Sometimes, though, it's one of our shortcomings, right, when we fail to see the world as people around us see it. I heard a story a little while back of one of the beloved characters that some of you may be familiar with, Sherlock Holmes himself right? And he is out camping with his sidekick, Dr. Watson. on a. And after they shared a meal and a bottle of wine, they were exhausted and go to bed. And it was several hours later when Sherlock wakes up and nudges his faithful friend Watson next to him. And he says to him, Watson, look up and tell me what you see. Watson looks up and says well I see millions and millions of stars and so Holmes asks him well what does that tell you and so Watson you know he ponders for a minute like he does and he goes on with a list of things it tells him well astronomically he says it tells me there are millions of galaxies astrologically it tells me that Saturn is in Leo or time-wise it's probably about a quarter after three theologically It tells me that the Lord is all powerful and that next to God, we are small and insignificant. Meteorologically, it tells me that we're probably going to have a pretty nice day tomorrow, right? And then he pauses again and he says, well, what does it tell you? To which home? Well, he's silent for a moment too as he reflects before he speaks and he finally says, well, Watson... It tells me that somebody has stolen our tent. (laughs) Now, these two people in the very same place can see really different things. It's amazing, isn't it? How for both of them, they saw only a part of their reality, even though they couldn't realize that until someone pointed it out later. The rest of what they didn't see had been lost on them entirely, even though both of them were right, neither of them were wrong. And I think that's true in our lives too, more often than we like to realize, isn't it? That often we only see part of the picture and the rest can be a mystery to us. And while well, the truth is, while that might be true for some of us more than others, none of us like it very much, do we? When we're wrong in part or when we can only see or understand part of what's happening in our lives or in the world around us. We don't appreciate in the same way that we can only understand in part the book of Revelation or part of the passage we heard today. We want things to be black and white and to be clear so that we can have solid understandings. But the truth is our life and faith often happens in these gray areas. And that can be hard because as human beings, it is our nature to want to understand all of it. To, you know, think that we are right and to have the world around us not only understand it the same as we do, but to understand that if they don't see it the way you do, they're probably wrong. Right? I jest about these things, but It is our nature to want to see things through to the end in large and small ways alike and to have things finished as we hope or dream about them. Take, for example, even little things that maybe don't matter in the scheme of life. But if I were to start something and not finish it, like if I were to read our mission statement, our mission statement here is First Church, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of What if I just don't finish it? What are we transforming? Does anyone know, by the way, what's our mission statement? To the transformation of? The world, I heard it somewhere in the back, okay? Or maybe something more familiar to us. What if I chose a song that many of us know and I started singing, I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now, it bugs you, right? I heard more ICs this time, right? Now, if I did that just once in a while, maybe it'd just be awkward and you'd think I forgot the words, right? But if it happened consistently, my guess is it would move to being a bit annoying or perhaps start to feel like a hindrance because it's going to keep us or at least feel like it's keeping us from seeing and feeling and understanding the fullness of what could be happening according to our expectations, right? That is kind of how the book of Revelation is. It is in our nature as human beings to want to know how things are going to end. And that, I think, is why we're captivated by this book. We want to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and who is going to get to be there. We have a lot more questions than we could ever have answers to. We are not the only ones, of course, with those questions. For generations past, scholars have found these very same things perplexing. And so a lot of research has been done on the book of Revelation and on this passage specifically, where we are told that God's home is among mortals, that God is with us, and that death and crying and pain will be no more. For God will make all things new sounds pretty amazing to have God make all things new doesn't it even as we struggle to figure out what that means it's worth noting here that these scholars who study these words so much they suggest that this isn't likely the kind of thing where God comes in and wipes everything out and everything is magically all new and all that is old that we once knew magically goes away all at once Rather, it suggests that perhaps our God, the very same God who created the heavens and the earth and the Garden of Eden, that very same God who continues to create new things around us each and every day, well, perhaps this new heaven and new earth that God is creating is just God carrying on creating, Creating by inviting us to take part in the creating and making new things. By taking old things in the same way. Some of us, maybe if you love to garden, can resonate with an example like in the same way. So we take that which is old and turn it into compost. Then it creates new life when we recycle it back into our garden. In the same way, God is working every day, not magically all at once, but over time and through work to take these old things and to bring forth new. New until God can once again look out at all that is and say, as he did in the first days of creation, it is good. That is is a beautiful thing to imagine, isn't it? Even if we're honest and sometimes wish that the bad stuff could just be wiped away without having to wait and go through the muck, right? It is a promise to hold on to, though, because with these, this picture that is painted with John's words and this, the end of the book of Revelation, it's a picture that I turn to often when I think of the suffering in our world of the grief or the pain that I know is represented here in this room, or when I think of this grief and the pain and the suffering that we have shared collectively, perhaps this week especially, as it has swept across our nation again after another senseless tragedy. In the midst of difficult pain or struggles or the feeling of helplessness that can accompany tragedies, It is easy for us to want to skip to the end, to get past the awfulness of this world, the pain and the heartache that accompanies it, to want to jump to that which is good, to life. Well, it's a heavenly life or place or way of being. It's tempting, isn't it, for us to want to read this passage and hear these words as comfort or assurance and think, gosh, I wish we could get there, but when we do that, When we skip to the end like that, I think we miss the bigger picture. Because like Holmes, who could only see that the tent was missing while Watson was able to see all the intricacies of the universe, I think if we skip too much, we miss the point too. Because when we skip over the details, we tend to miss what's right in front of us. And if we're so focused on what is or should be right in front of us, then we tend to miss out on the bigger picture of everything the universe has to offer. One or the other of these, by the way, is not better. As with most things, it falls in that annoying gray area in between, where probably it's a both and. And I believe that God's challenge for us as found in this invitation from Revelation is an invitation for us to be ready for when that time comes, that God is going to bring the new heaven down. It hasn't happened yet. It might not happen for a few centuries to come. It might happen later today before we even get out of the building. We don't know, Right? We know in Matthew that Jesus tells us that no one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, he says. No one knows. And yet even as we wait, we are invited to be partners with God in bringing this new creation into reality. I mean, partly we pray that every week, including today, right? When we pray the Lord's Prayer and we ask that God's kingdom would be done, God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we pray, almost every time we gather together. And as we pray for God's kingdom to come in these familiar words, we are asking God to bless us as partners in God's kingdom right here and right now, that God would help us to be partners as we faithfully seek to do what we can to bring forth this new reality God is calling us to. And while that is a really big task, my hope and prayer is that we will continue living into this today and every day as we trust more and more in God, who is our lifeline and our partner on the journey who walks alongside us. So that as our own stories unfold, we would work together and indeed do our part to build God's kingdom here in our midst, as God's will be done on earth, just as it is in heaven. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the invitation to be partners in your work, your ministry, your creating. We ask, oh God, that we would honor you in all that we say and all that we do as we seek to bring forth your kingdom on earth, as it is in heaven, in the name of Christ Jesus, your Son. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information on our church calendar, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.